this memory is everything. Would this be one of your regular haunts? I don't have any regular haunts. Dumbledore, let me see it. Sometimes I imagine I still feel it around my neck. How does it feel around yours? Grindelwald, what you're doing is madness. Our war with the Muggles begins today! Do you really intend to turn your back on your own kind? I'll burn down their world. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Bonus episode. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. Uh, yeah, this is a bonus episode. Uh, Jake's not here, uh, and uh, he's taking the week off. So I thought I would, uh, I was going to take the week off, but I really wanted to talk about this movie with uh, fans of the franchise. So we're here this week to talk about Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which is the third entry in the Fantastic Beasts series. And I've got super fans with me today. I've got uh, June joining the podcast from Apple to Oranges. Welcome, June. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Stephanie Chapman. Hi, I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm going to make it stick this time. <laughs> it's going to stick. There's going to be a t-shirt, I'm telling you. Um, and then we also got uh, back of the podcast, Nana Pratt. Welcome back, Nana. Thanks. Always excited to talk to you guys and um, looking forward to breaking this one down. Yeah, man. And uh, Nana also has his own podcast, Blurds R Us. So check that out. But we are going to be talking about Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, I... And I, I want to let people know at the end, I, I really want to hear from Nana. Nana actually had the opportunity to go to the London premiere of the movie. And I want to hear about his experience, but I want to save that towards the end when we talk about it. Um, all I can really tell you about Fantastic Beasts series for me, I'm not a super fan going into this. Uh, I love the Harry Potter movies. I read the Harry Potter books. Um, but that's about like where my love kind of like you know, begins and ends with Harry Potter. I'm not too deep into the the whole world and everything like that. I really love it. But Fantastic Beasts has been a completely different animal for me. I really have never been able to connect with the main character of Newt Scamander. And it's just kind of been messy, especially those first two movies. And so it'll be interesting to hear what we all thought about this third movie. So I guess we'll just start off and I'm going uh, – let me read the synopsis uh, for this one. Um, I would read it if I had it pulled up. Here it is. Uh, <laughs> Prof Professor Albus Dumbledore knows the powerful dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald is moving to seize control of the wizarding world. Unable to stop him alone, he, in he entrusts magizoologist 
Newt Scamander to lead an intrepid team of wizards and witches. They soon encounter an array of old and new beasts as they clash with Grindelwald's growing legion of followers. Uh, this one is directed by David Yates, and uh, we've got uh, our cast here of... Uh, Oh, what's Jeez Louise. See, I should write this stuff down. It's terrible. Eddie Redmayne, Jude Law, Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler, Allison Sudall, Ezra Miller, Callum Turner, William Nadlam, and uh, joining the cast is Mads Mikkelsen, replacing Johnny Depp. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and rate this one. Uh, if this is your first time listening, this is our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I'll actually, I'll start off. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the first two movies. And um, and this one is probably the best one out of all three, which is kind of unfortunate that we had to get to the third movie before we get here. Honestly, I still have – I can't follow or I am not endeared to at all. I think he's a sweet little guy, but I'm not the biggest Newt Scamander fan. Like following this guy over three movies, I could never connect to his character. He's just so odd and different, and it's not the kind of character that I ever kind of was like – Go Newt. Um, but I think like in this movie, especially, I think Jude Law was very good as as uh, Dumbledore. There's a very like touching moment like at the end of the movie. And guess what? We're going to be spoiling this one, too. So spoilers for uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore. But um, I mean, there's a there's a moment at the end where I was kind of like getting all emotional. I thought it was really cool. Um, I thought Jude Law was fantastic, and I thought Mads Mikkelsen was really, really good in yeah. this movie. Um, but uh, for me, it's still just a taste it because there's a a lot of there's a there's a lot of stuff I love and a lot of stuff that just kind of was meandering. And I'm following Newt, and I just can't. I don't understand. They, they do so. They try. They there's certain bullet points that they have to hit when they do this, and I, I think that. When you call it Fantastic Beasts, you're you have to number one show Fantastic Beasts, and then number two you've got to get all like these. Um, uh, you got to get the story going, and now you're incorporating Dumbledore, and now you're doing stuff with Hogwarts, and it was really cool to see all this stuff. But I feel like they like there's so many things that they have to hit because they're calling this Fantastic Beasts, and they have to show that to us that they have to incorporate it, and it makes it. I don't know. I mean, and I'll say this. I think Dan Fogler saves a lot of this movie with the comedic beats that he's able to provide in this movie. So it's really good to have a character like that in this movie. I'd rather follow him as our main character as opposed mm-hmm. to Newt Scamander. He's just, a, right. I, you know, just like kind of like this fish out of water muggle that's put into like the spotlight here and then has to help them. It's kind of like, you know, Lord of the Rings, the hobbits, you know, like, well, especially the hobbit movie where you've got, uh, you know, uh, Bilbo who... Um, who is, is tagging just along. tagging along, and it, that's that's what I would. I mean, but you know what? I'm not the writer of this. I'm not. You know, I'm not the person that's that's doing this. And we got Newt Scamander, and they chose to make him kind of a an odd character that I just have a hard time really connecting to on any level. 
And so overall, it's still just a taste it. But man, some brilliant performances in here. Dan Fogler comedically fucking kills it. I've, all, I've been a big fan of this guy ever since I saw Fanboys. And then I loved him in that fucking uh, ping pong movie. I think he's a funny fucking dude. And I love seeing him in it. I thought Mads was great. Um, and I thought Jude Law really this movie fucking killed it as uh, as Dumbledore. So it's a taste it for me. And I still I and I do think it's the best of the three. And I want a T-shirt of Dan Fogler dancing with a chillin and I want it to be titled <laughs> just chillin. <laughs> so anyway it's a taste it for me and, and it's definitely my favorite in the franchise um stephanie what did you think about uh fantastic beast the secrets of dumbledore i thoroughly enjoyed it you hit on a lot of the beats that i was going to touch on my main complaint is that like you said it, it it attaches itself to the anchor that is the fantastic beast and i I don't need them. I don't need them for this story to be great. I don't need Newt and Eddie Redmayne, the kind of bumbling awkwardness that he is so good at doesn't add anything for me. It doesn't endear me to him in any way that requires me to enjoy this movie. Um, And for all of the just chaos, I felt like the first two movies were, they were, the story was convoluted and complicated unnecessarily. I feel like those were the stepping stones apparently that were necessary to get us to this movie where the story was easy to follow. It was entertaining. And we were finally able to get to the meat and potatoes of Dumbledore and um, some of the characters that, that they were able to kind of bring back. Some of them I felt were a bit fan servicey, but um, like professor McGonagall showing up at um, Aberforth's like pub, but great moment nonetheless. Um, I agree. I think if Jacob was the main character, I would have given this a much higher rating. Well, I'm giving it a high taste it because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, not perfect by any means. And I think a lot of the scenes with um, Newt and the creatures are just what they have to do. Like you said, beats they have to hit because it's called Fantastic Beasts and they've tied themselves to this anchor that feels like it's weighing the movie down at times. Um, I think Mads Mikkelsen is an amazing Grindelwald. Um, I prefer, I wish he would have been cast from the beginning. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I think he was great. I think it was, I think if, you know, the recasting, I think this was a good movie to have it happen because his character is so much more, there's like a, like we're looking at this character through like a deeper lens, but I think he is the perfect casting for this character. It's not as cartoony as it felt in the, in the first two movies. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, not perfect, but I'm glad we seem to be on a trajectory towards better movies because those first two were just tragedies to me. But I'm really excited to see what else this franchise has in store. Um, and I agree, this was definitely the best out of the three for me. I don't know. I, I, that's something that I do want to open up after we get done talking is the fact that I felt like they kind of Iron Man 3'd this movie to where it could end here if they really wanted it to. And any of this could be followed up and possibly like an HBO Max series if they really wanted to do something. But it felt like Iron Man 3 where he kind of gets rid of the suits. This kind of like does away with Ezra Miller's character. The, you know, the bad guy gets away, but, you know, they've... Everything kind of like there's like a neat little bow at the end if you really want to end this story. And I think that they are waiting to see what the box office is going to do. And it doesn't look good. So 
I think, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about it a little bit more because I want to know what you guys think because I, I think they could really end it here and not do the five proposed movies that they originally wanted to do. Uh, Nana, what did you think about Fantastic Beasts? Uh, I'm going to give it a, a high taste as well. I think on it, originally I was going to give it a top of air, but on second viewing, I think some of the problems for the movie um, is that, uh, what's his name? Is it William? Uh, William Nadelum that plays uh, Kamal. I think his character was a bit wasted. He didn't really get to do much. Um, initially, I thought that all the characters, you know, got a fair amount of screen time, but his character was generally quite wasted. He had that one little bit of action scene towards the end. Um, I think I have to agree with Stephanie where this is probably the best out of the three so far. Um, it was, a, in a sense, a return to form. I do think that Jacob, uh, Dan Fowler's character, Jacob, being a lot more involved in the movie, led it, led it to be better. Because that was one of the things I was a bit disappointed with the second one, that he wasn't in it as much. Um, he, him being the muggle um, was like our viewpoint into the magical world. So it was refreshing to have him back in it. Um, I did like how the, I don't want to say actually, but the, the one fighting felt a little bit more than just people pointing sticks at each other. It felt a little bit more involved. Um, I thought the CGI was done pretty, pretty well. Um, considering everything that they, the beast that they were trying to introduce, the, the movements and how that worked. Um, the humor was good. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I completely forgot that Dumbledore had a brother. I remember Megan having a sister from the books, but when, you know, they revealed they had a brother and one of the cats like, Dumbledore has a brother. I was like, well, she's probably saying exactly what the audience is thinking right now because I, I was also thinking that. Um, I do think it has been tied up nicely and, you know, if they aren't going to make any more in this universe, or in this time frame, um, it's it's a good way to end it. Um, I'll have to... I, I was a little bit... I want to say upset when they recast Johnny Depp, but I, I, I quite liked his Grindelwald, but Mads Mikkelsen brought a certain level of menace to the character without even trying. Like, his facial expressions, the, like... He didn't have a lot to say, but when he said it, you felt that he was intimidating. Um, so that was pretty cool to see as well. And um, yeah, it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they do take it from here if we get any more movies. But yeah, th- uh, I'll give it a high taste it. High taste it from Nana. And dude, you brought up something I really didn't think about until you said it. Uh, the character of William, who comes from like that old wizarding and sistry family that was kind of playing both sides they could have done so much more with him you're right i I feel like he probably had extra scenes and they it was probably put on the cutting room floor because he was basically going to be a a double double agent do you know what i mean like he was meant he went there on the presence that he was you know going to be spying on grindelwald for Dumbledore, but then you know, he was then actually then going to spy on Dumbledore for Grindelwald, where actually, in actual fact, he was still going to be playing the good side. And they didn't really do anything around that, especially when he was like, um, uh, prove your loyalty to me. I thought that maybe he would go and attack, you know, maybe not necessarily attack Hogwarts, but, you know, go and attack um, and kill uh, Dumbledore's brother or something. Like, 
something worthy of showing that, okay, I'm actually on your side. And it just never went anywhere. So it, it was a shame because he looked interesting enough, you know, again, that, that little bit of, I don't even know how to describe it, one play that he did showed that, you know, he was, um, you know, efficient at, with the uh, the dark art, so to speak. Um but they never gave him a chance to do anything more. Do you just, think? Do you, do you think that they were like worried about wrapping him up as like another kind of like Snape character? So they're like, well, we'll have him play both sides, but we won't. We don't want him. We don't want viewers to just think that we're just redoing the whole Professor Snape story again. So, but because when I was watching it, he was just so like you know, stone-faced the entire time. It was like watching Hawkeye in Avengers when he fucking got taken over by the Mind Stone. It was like there was nothing there. I wanted to see something from him. And and I felt like they had their they had their hands tied because they're like, we don't want to make him another fucking Professor Snape. But then again, we do want to have him play both sides. But they didn't do anything interesting with them. They, and they could have, and this, I, I guess, whenever Nana's done, like, because I'll talk about my issues with that character, and I think what overall, what and overall, like, what the movie is doing. Yeah, let's I, let's hear from you, June. What's your what's your rating, and then you can jump into whatever you want to talk about. So I, I did not like this one. Um, I, I didn't, I, and I wanted to. Um, were it not for Jude Law, Mad Mickelson, and um, Jessica Williams, and and Dan Fogler, obviously, like it. It could have easily been a toss it. Um, I mean, I think what the themes of this movie, though, it 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 wants to be a political thriller, which is fine. And I think that's an interesting way to kind of like set the Harry Potter universe in a political realm, sort of throw, a, you know, all the president's men vibe on top of it. I think that could be really interesting, but they don't lean into it enough. Like you basically have like, the possibility of Grindelwald like getting elected to higher office and the fact that he's got this huge public supporting. Well, why does he have so much public supporting? Like what is going on? And like, they don't ever explain or give you justification as to like why people love this guy so much. And I think with the character of Yusuf, like being the double agent, you could have used that character, do the double agent thing, but also be the sort of, I can kind of see where maybe Grindelwald's followers are coming from, you know, like I can like I can, you know, sort of like the I can see both sides of the story, but their method of going about it is all wrong. Like tyranny isn't the answer, like you could have done something with that. And I that that sort of bugged me throughout the movie because I felt like if you want to be a political thriller, then lean into it, like actually lean into that. And so for me, it was just sort of like half-assing that while still trying to remain this fantasy movie about the Fantastic Beast. And again, like we all said, they sort of married themselves to this part of the Harry Potter franchise being the Fantastic Beast realm. And so you always have to have Fantastic Beasts in there. Um, But, you know, I am, I, I do, personally, I thought that Johnny Depp Grindelwald was just too cartoony. You know, he had the crazy white hair, and they gave him, like, that one weird eye. So he had the two different color eyes, and it was too cartoony. I think Matt Mickelson portrays the villain in a way that I think is a lot more grounded, which, you know, these movies, I think their intent was to be a little more 
like a little darker than the original Harry Potter franchise. So that makes sense to have a more grounded, subdued, menacing villain than a cartoony one. So I, I think I wanted more between Mads, um, Mickelson, and Jude Law. I think the two of them, I, I felt like I didn't get enough between the two of them. So, um, and I don't know, uh, Credence, the character Credence was barely in this movie, whereas he was like the focal point of the first two. Like he was so important. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's a low taste it right now. I only saw it. I've I've only seen it once. Um, I mean, this is when I do actually want to see again, just because I do feel like, or maybe upon a second viewing, and especially after listening to the points that you guys make, you know, I might view it in a different light. But yeah, that's where I stand. What's your rating? Low taste it. Low taste it. Yeah, no, that's for me. It was just I felt like it was finally coming together as you know. I just wish I personally I wish the first two movies would have been of this quality, but. Again, you bring up another good point, June, of like, we, you know, you wanted more from Dumbledore and Grindelwald's characters in this because you really enjoyed them. But they've already f- tied themselves to this Newt Scamander character. Like, we've got to follow this guy. And I, I, don't, I was so much more interested in everything that Dumbledore was doing throughout this movie. Like, yes. And here's the thing. I also feel like with this being a prequel and them like this whole thing of like, um, uh, we're worried about Grindelwald basically getting all the wizards behind him and him taking office and then taking down humanity and wizards, wizards ruling. There's no stakes there because we've already seen what happens in Harry Potter. And that's not the case. I mean, Muggles are still muggles living in the muggle world and we still have wizards. So it's like, okay, we know that there's no stakes, but we're going to give you some member berries. We're going to go to Hogwarts, which I loved. I loved seeing Hogwarts. Yeah. Uh, love seeing Dan Fogler talk to kids, oh, you know, God, eating the food. Yeah, it was great. It was so much fun. And here's an pranked by Slytherin. Cause of course, Slytherins would give him cockroach clusters. Yeah, that was yeah. so funny. Here's the thing. I, the one scene that just fucking like, really got me emotional for the first time watching these Fantastic Beasts movies is when the chillin bowed to Dumbledore. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I'm sorry, but like I got emotional yeah. there. That was really awesome. And I like at that moment I was like, yeah, Jude Law is a, he's a good Dumbledore. He's a really so, good young Dumbledore. But you're talking about, you know, go, you know, like Grindelwald and has all these followers going to, you know, Try to take higher office so he can rule Wizarding World, bring down the Muggles. Um, but so I think what these things, if you want to do a prequel to an existing property that everyone knows, everyone loves, then you can do so many more interesting things with it. Like, I think one thing is like the two, like they talk about the two darkest wizards, you know, were uh, of the 20th century. It was Grindelwald and Voldemort, but they both rose to power and they were both powerful and they both had followers, but in very different ways. Like Voldemort, we know like, yes, he had people who did, you know, believe in his shit. You know, they were dark wizards, but you also had a lot of people going, not fighting against him, going along with them, but it was all out of fear, you know, and they also make a point in the Harry Potter, like Voldemort is not someone who wants to, he doesn't want to be out in the public, right? Like he wants to be the shadow, 
behind this dark movement. Whereas Grindelwald wants to be front and center, like he wants to be out there in public and people are following him, not out of fear. Like he's not ruling by like threatening people's families. Like if you don't come to my side or you don't do what I do, I'm going to torture your children. Like that's not what he's doing. He is just amassing like approval amongst the population. So Maybe like show exactly like what that what is this about? Like, yeah, but the wizarding world. It's also, I mean, it's also if you start doing that, then you start falling into the trap of the prequel with the prequels, Star Wars prequels with Senate meetings, and like this is fo- this oh, is like yeah. this is like made for kids. So I think it's like I'm fine but with is that it made stuff. For kids or is it made for like the people like uh, like us like? Oh, it's they they want to get the kids in there with their parents. Their parents are now they parents grew up reading the books and watching the movies. And now they want to get the kids in there. That's why they call it Fantastic Beasts. The kids can expect to see Fantastic Beasts. But, yes, I think that's why the, you know, the rise to power, why his followers that kind of takes like a backseat to like, okay, here's some Fantastic Beasts. Here's your wacky Newt Scamander. Here's he's going to do a jiggle across the cliffs. Right. His brother. I mean. Yeah. yeah, I did chuckle. Go ahead. Stephanie liked that. <laughs> maybe like maybe that's an impossible thing to do, right? Like maybe that's one of the dangers of sort of doing prequels to beloved franchises because you know the the people who grew up like reading the books, watching the movies that are now adults, like they possibly want more adult themes, more sort of like. A, an adult view of the universe, right? But then you also want to cater to the kids. So how do you do something that's also kid-friendly? It almost, I don't know, is that an impossible task? To, Honestly, to it's like, I feel like the books, even reading them as an adult, I read them as an adult, it still captured my, like, it still captured my imagination. And like, I felt like very childlike reading them. Like, you know, yes. like it made you feel like a kid again. And like, that's what I want from these movies. I want an escape. I don't want to go into these movies and think about all the things that are shitty in the real world. Well. So I, I want that escape. And I mean, if you're just going to have a movie that just focuses on the Fantastic Beasts and stuff like that, then go for it. But I feel like they just try to fit too many things into one movie. And it kind of like it's. I, I I think this one's less messy than the first two and more fun than the first two, but I still don't think that they figured out the perfect formula to make a Fantastic Beast movie. I still don't yeah. think that they figured out the perfect formula to make a Wizarding World movie outside of Hogwarts. No. I also don't think that they picked the right story to tell. Um, I think this is not a story that easily captivates an audience. I don't think people really care about the wizarding world at this point in time. I think it's interesting that we got to go to different countries, this movie, and um, we're not just going to United States and London, like we're in Germany and where we were other places. Don't make me think of all the other countries. <laughs> I think... <laughs> we were in Paris lot in the, first, in the second movie. Fair, fair. But I think a story I would love to see as a fan, I would love to see like everything that went down during the first Wizarding War with the original Order of the Phoenix. I don't even in a movie. I could do it in an HBO like limited series or something. Yeah, that would but be cool. That would be a story that we're familiar we're familiar enough with and it's connected enough to the Harry Potter story that we it'll pull what we know and what we love without giving us Harry and Hermione and Ron. Um, I think they missed it. I, that's just an example of a story I'd like to see, but I think part of it is the story for me. I don't care about Newt. I don't really care about what happened in the, I don't even know what year this is, the 20s. 
Um, but it's I in think- between World War One and World War Two. But like, you know, I think ultimately what this Fantastic Beast, this what was originally supposed to be a five a five part movie series, though, I think it was supposed to be about like the battle with Grindelwald, like, and then the epic battle that you know where Dumbledore beats Grindelwald and gets the Elder Wand. And number one, I don't think it takes five movies to get there. But if that's, I mean, that to me, that's just like the logical thing of like what ultimately these, these fantastic, they're supposed to be about, that's the culmination is supposed to be the, when Dumbledore gets the Elder Wand. And I, um, it I, just, but then why do you have to do it within the Fantastic Beast realm? I think they thought they could generate a lot of money using the Fantastic Beast and the Harry Potter franchise. Like it is a, it, in a sense, it's a known commodity. The films were fairly, fairly successful, and they wanted to kind of piggyback off that to make more money. Um, unfortunately, you know, I think a lot of the negativity towards this franchise is to do with the author, you know, and some of her views that has been put out there, and it's, in a sense, it's hurting the franchise. Um, because you know, kind of almost like a Star Wars Lord of the Rings, the 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 Wizard and World in a sense has a a massive following, and people are still clamoring for more Harry Potter stories. Like people want them to do a sequel where we you know we see what happens with Harry's kids, etc. They it's, want the cursed child. They want a movie of the cursed child. So, you know that has hampered it and i think again money 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 is generally what these a lot of these studios think about and sometimes they cut corners and don't you know think too well on how the story is going to be they think that just sticking harry potter or the fantastic beast name on it will be enough for it to make you know marvel money and a lot of studios need to understand like not everything can match that Marvel formula, especially if you don't take your time with it and be a little bit meticulous in how you direct things, how you cast characters, how you present your film to the audience to make them grow and love the product that you're, you're, you're putting out there for people to spend their money. Mm-hmm. I I fell in love with the with the kids in those movies, like I, yeah. and, and in the books, I fell in love with Harry, Hermione, and Ron, and it's like I wanted to see what happened with them. Um, I never cared for Newt. Like I always had more kind of like of a connection as somebody like watching these movies. I had more of a connection to Jacob throughout any of these movies. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I don't understand like why. I mean, why why can't Dumbledore be the focus of these prequels? Yeah, this movie like, this movie kind of proved it that he could have he sh- he could have and should have been. This should have been like the tales of Dumbledore or something. In fact, like you could have. I mean, it would have been interesting to even see like you know what we learn about Dumbledore in the seventh book and Deathly Hallows. Like this could have been like Dumbledore could have been the, our main, our protagonist. This is the guy, this is, this is his story we're following. And you know what you also fix then too, because we know at this time, Dumbledore is a, he's the transfiguration professor, I think at, yeah, I think that's what he teaches um, at Hogwarts. So you can, you know, be at Hogwarts, which, you know, you know, delights the fans every time you see Hogwarts. Right. And you hear the score. 
mm-hmm. and you get the score and it's natural because guess what our main character is Dumbledore and this is his job yeah I mean like, but I they just, had to I they, they had to they they thought they I think JK and the studio thought that they really had something with the Fantastic Beast element and Ugh. I'm sorry but it I mean some of the creatures are cute but honestly it's like I feel like we could have just had like a fanta- like a like a magizoologist teacher at Hogwarts while we have this whole Dumbledore story going on Yeah and he can yeah. help them with the mission and whatever yeah. 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 I don't know. Um, I, I did enjoy this movie enough. I guess the big question, uh, oh, the big question that I have for you guys is there was one point in the movie where I had to walk out and I didn't know that I was walking out at such a critical moment. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a bathroom break. Um, anyway, I missed the whole, um, it was the, Credence and Dumbledore kind of like showdown that they had. So in like the, in, in the yeah. wizarding, in the wizarding. Okay, it was like a wizard mirror dimension. Yes, yes. Like a Doctor Strange. Where I didn't know that was a thing in the wizarding world. The a mirror dimension where you well, can so, battle each other. Somebody break because even saying that, I, it makes no sense to me right now because I, I I missed most of it. I saw the beginning and the end, the whole midsection. I missed. So if <laughs> someone could break down that scene for me and fill that in for me, that would be wonderful. So, did you see? So you saw when like Credence is like tracking Dumbledore and Dumbledore like stops at like a window shop on the street and he's just looking and then he, I guess he sees Creedence's reflection. Yes. And that's Dumbledore where I walked like, out. Okay. So he like, he like takes a, like Dumbledore takes like a deep breath and then some kind of moisture bee like travels back, hits Creedence in the eye, which I was kind of like, I don't understand what this is. And then suddenly <laughs> like they're in this like mirror dimension and they're battling each other. Like Creedence like fucks up the whole road. Like, yeah. You know, like sends buildings like crumbling and, you know, he's trying. This was like because I guess he was tasked with the one to kill Dumbledore. So he's trying to kill Dumbledore and Dumbledore is very easily like, you know, deflecting everything. And then. Like, basically, at some point he has Dumbledore has credence like pinned down in a puddle and then it sort of that's when like the, the fog goes away and then you realize and then like the streets normal. Mm. And then that's when Dumbledore tells him, like, oh, okay, you are Dumbledore. You're not my brother, though. You're my brother's kid. And <laughs> Yeah, because I came back for that. That was, like, when I came back, it was, like, he's telling him, you know, you're my brother's kid. And I'm like, oh, my God, I missed <laughs> – I really missed something big here. <laughs> there were three, like, mirror dimension things, though. Like, the very yeah. opening scene, like, in the restaurant, the exchange between them – like that seemed to like either take place in Dumbledore's head or in a mirror dimension. And then we have the thing between Credence and Dumbledore. And then at the um, end with Dumbledore and Grindelwald, like that also seemed to take place in a mirror dimension. Hmm. Is that just me? Like, I no. felt like nobody. I, uh, I was. The, mm-hmm. Sorry, go on, Stephanie. No, I was just going to say, I agree. Those were the big mirror other dimension. I was trying to figure out, was it really happening? I was like, are we, because we're clearly not in like real world. We've already, we've like flipped over and we're now, we're some, I didn't know if it was kind of similar to like when Harry died at the end of the Deathly Hollows and he's talking to Dumbledore and King's Cross State. Like it does, it kind of looked like it wasn't, couldn't be real. Apparently was, but. 
It's like um, it's yeah, like I, the X Men training ground, you know that you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I think Doctor Strange though, you know, like Doctor Strange like will break everything, and, and it's like whatever we do in here is nothing on the outside world. Like that's what I thought it was. I feel like we probably just missed something. Like there's something from one of the books where they, you know, cast a spell so that whatever they're doing in that dimension doesn't affect the model. That, that has never come up. No. I haven't. Like <laughs> That's why I was like weirded out by it at first. So I have a question. Um, there's this scene in the movie where Grindelwald is talking to William, and he's basically saying like the only thing that's holding you back are the memories. For, was it of his dead sister? Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Alexa, stop. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It was Zoe, it was uh the Zoe that was Zoe a rough Lecra- scene for me. Zoe Kravitz was strange. So yeah, that was when he removed that memory. Does did we ever get any resolution to that? No, because he doesn't save it. No. I guess when you take a memory, unless you bottle it, it'll just fade yeah. away. But yeah, so I'm assuming I thought he was going to put it in like a like a vial, but he did. It just kind of floated away, but. You could tell by the shots they were showing that he was communicating with Queenie and she was reading his mind and they were communicating that way. And so I would assume that even though his memories of his sister are gone, he's still aware of his mission and that there was a sister that, you know what I mean? Like he knows there was, he may not have memories of her, but he's aware that she exists. What a sacrifice though. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You could have done so much more with that character. I think it's kind of wasted in this. So much more because it's, it's because we're, we're working with so many different characters that it's really like, you really have to pick and choose like who you are going to work with. And like, they just gave him so much, um, so much story, but there was like no meat on the bone for him at all. Yeah. Like for them to have expanded that him and Queenie were kind of secretly working together because, you know, even in that like that banquet scene where she helps Jacob kind of, you know, fight against the Auroras from the German um, Ministry of Magic, you know, and he pulls her away. It would have been nice to see them both doing things to help, you know, that team um, succeed. But again, we'll, you know, we won't ever find out until, you know, they release it on the Blu-ray and then we see what scenes and what kind of actual storylines they had for that character. One thing I'm glad about from like the trailers is that they didn't reveal like how Jacob was doing the magic in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like by the time I'm watching the movie and I'm seeing like how this is happening, it's not really Jacob doing it. He's actually being controlled um, by what was, what was her uh, name? She was really Callie. Good. Uh, Callie. Yeah, I love Jessica Williams, and yeah. so I, did, I forgot that she was in this. So she was, and I thought she, her character was a really great addition. Were um, they trying to ship her and Callum uh, Turner's <gasps> character of Theseus? They Were they, they trying are. to ship them? Yes. Well, yeah, but didn't really too much of it after that initial interaction. By the way, the Catherine Waterstone, like I don't know why she wasn't in this. Really, um, I just feel like narratively it doesn't make sense so like the end of um the second movie but the crimes of grindelwald you know the here like our heroes they all end up on that bridge to hogwarts some like unnamed like ministry people you know theseus and newt and 
you know, Jacob and I forgot Catherine Waterstone's character's name. Um, but like she's Tina you know, too. Yeah. Tina. And so it almost, and also, you know, who else was there? They make no mention of this in this movie. Nagini. Nagini was there on the Hogwarts bridge too. So like, you know, it almost like that seemed like, okay, so this is going to be like the form right at the end. The movie imply like, this is going to be our like formation of like the fight against Grindelwald. Right. And so to me, it didn't really make sense that everyone was so separate and like, like the beginning of the movie was like getting the band back together mm-hmm. kind of. And I was like, but they were already together at the end of the second one. <laughs> and then it just doesn't make sense why Tina, like they, they sort of like hand waved away. Oh, she's now head of the American or office. She's just super busy. Right. Yeah. Her fucking sister is in the Grindelwald cult. And like, they're clearly like staging this like infiltration or whatever to stop Grindelwald. It just narratively didn't make sense for that character to be involved in this M enterprise. Mm. What did you guys think about um, one of the scenes that I really liked was the when they had the briefcase, they duplicated it. They had it. They made like six, five or six different briefcases and they each took mm-hmm. one. And um, how did you guys like how that whole thing played out? I I actually got a kick out of it. It felt very like kind of like, uh, I don't know, Ocean's Eleven in a way. I was just going to say that. Yes. Right. But why do they need to make? Why do they need like a Muggle Leatherman to make the? Bre- Don't they have duplicating spells? No, because I, I thought I thought it was because it was a, a magical briefcase. They had to get like a magic, a wizard to duplicate it. It wasn't something that they could easily duplicate it. I thought that they was- just needed it to look like the briefcase, like just make make like they were all dummy ones. The uh, Four of the five other ones. Yeah, but they were they were like they had magic in them because like didn't like uh, one of them like spill a bunch of bagels and then the other one. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like they they opened the one inside and it had like all these bagels and pastries <laughs> and shit fly out of it. What do the other ones do? I can't remember. Uh, one had the snitch and the blood the bludgeons. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh yeah, like, the, I did like that. I like the uh, the Quidditch uh, supplies kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, something else I really enjoyed about this movie that we don't get from the original, and the originals are classics and they can't be topped, but I like to watch adults do magic. Mm-hmm. It's so much more advanced. It's just so much more visually appealing, especially when they were in that, whatever that dinner was where they thought Jacob was going to assassinate Grindelwald. Stephanie, <laughs> let me introduce you to David Copperfield. <laughs> 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 Statue of Liberty disappeared on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's okay. But like watching the spells that they can do, almost none of the spells are like, can I just see one more like, you know, whatever spell Harry used to do, like stupefy, I was going to lose my mind. But like watching adults do. Expelliarmus. <laughs> That's his go-to. It is his go-to. But I'm like watching like that's that whatever she did to have like Jacob run across those papers. And oh, that was awesome. I'm like, this is gorgeous. I'm like, it was just watching kind of magic that was taking place. The the Credence and Dumbledore battle thing. um, Just kind of watching that is what I enjoyed a lot about this movie. I wish we would have gotten a little bit more. I think we got a decent amount. 
So watching the, adult wizards and witches do spells. Even in the dance, like, even in the Harry Potter movies, like when it's like you see the kids do all this shit and they're so inexperienced, but then it's like the fucking adults get involved, yeah. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh fuck, look at Mister Weasley kick some ass, you know? You're just like, <laughs> oh, you're right. There's something about watching adults with the magic because like they're so, you know, they've gone through Hogwarts, they know their shit. And you yeah. see the most of it in um, the Deathly Hallows Part Two when they had the big battle at Hogwarts, like the one, you know, the fight between McGonagall and Snape. Like seeing Alan Rickman and Maggie Smith like go at each other with magic, that was a great scene. Oh, that's a uh, video we, game that needs to be made. Like, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. <laughs> fucking fucking wizards, want, like a Street Fighter kind of game, but just like with wizards, like McGonagall versus Snape. You know, yeah. round one. <laughs> Fight <laughs> versus Bellatrix was strange. Like that was an epic fight too. So yeah, you're right. There. Yeah, I thought that the magic handling was very well done in this. Um, I do wish that we had more like Mads and Dumbledore like scenes though. Yeah, like the chemistry between them two was very well done. Like, yeah, they were very direct though. Like it was like. This was a romantic relationship from the get-go. Yes. There was no, like... No, yeah, no guessing. Yeah. They were just flat out, like, boom. This, in love. The scene where Newt had to rescue his brother from, like, the prison that he was in, and then you've got, like, those two creatures that are... what like You got, like, the one that looks like, a, like asparagus that's... Like, <laughs> And then that platypus looking thing. And they're like, they're like holding him like by his tie and he falls back and all that shit. And then Nude is in there and he's fighting like the giant kind of like scorpion looking thing. Um, What did you guys think about uh, that whole action sequence? I thought it went on too long. I thought the concept of the prison well, I don't know what that I thought the concept was cool like when the light goes out the guy like you like you get eaten and thrown up within a matter of seconds I guess yeah so yeah I, I thought the concept was cool I do agree they could have cut it a bit short I'd be lying if I said I didn't chuckle when he had to like scoot past and like wiggle his butt like that was kind of funny for me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but, what made him do that, though? I didn't. That's what I didn't understand. It felt like it was a creature he'd never seen before. Um, he had. He said that he had experimented with it in, like, um, oh, uh, in a controlled environment. Yeah, in a controlled environment. Okay, but like, once, and so it's kind of a gamble that he's taking to see whether you know they don't kill them this time. Okay, so it was a creature that he was familiar with. It just was not on that level of scale. Um, I was just going to say, I thought it was very interesting you scan to see the equivalent of like, you know, a wizard in black site where this is where they, you know, take prisoners that they don't want to, you know, have in a normal prison and interrogate and eventually kill them. I thought that was a pretty cool thing to see. And, um, of course, I was, it was in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense that was a German prison. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of like... Uh, Lord of the Rings with like the spider, you know, going in yeah. to like the spider mm-hmm. lair and stuff like that. But they added more like, you know, magic to it with the light going out. And I don't know. I, I enjoyed it enough. I guess it did go on a little too long. But I did like how when that thing stung you, it would it would 
it would melt your body down to the point where it would then spit you back up on the platform and then all the little babies would eat it. It was almost like made into like baby food for the baby yeah. scorpions. So I was just like, okay, I, I'm into this. This is cool. I guess like if this is where you're going to like, if this is where you're going to throw in more Fantastic Beasts into the scene, that's fine. <laughs> it goes with the movie. It's called Fantastic Beasts. This is a Fantastic Beast. Okay. Oh, and the two little like creatures, like the one, like the plaza is looking, that's the Niffler. That's the thing that loves shiny stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the other one is a bow truckle. Um, it actually recently like reread the Sun Harry Potter book. So this is why this is fresh in my brain. <laughs> but that little twig thing, it's like it, they guard the trees where they make wizard wands. Okay. Yeah. The bow truck. These are the two that are always with him. Like they're always with yeah. him. Like on all, like they, they, all the animals are in the briefcase, but those two get to hang out outside. I never felt like I was connected with them either. Like it throughout any of these movies. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they didn't do enough. It was, you know, it was like if that's his rocket and Groot, like they just didn't do do it for me. <laughs> the only thing we know is like, well, the little Niffler thing, that thing actually doesn't. It's convenient because it like shiny stuff, right? So like a lot of the stuff they need to get, like the vial, like in the last movie, like they needed to get that. Yeah. Like, the blood bond. So, but it was in a shiny, you know, jeweled little trinket so of course the nibbler is going to be able to get it because it loves sparkly stuff at least the bow truckle is useful though like the bow truckle can pick locks yeah so i would keep that around yeah That's useful no yeah yeah and he's got to have something he's got to have fantastic beasts around <laughs> Did, we didn't even go into his little briefcase this movie like where he's got like that whole world with all the animals there and stuff kind of um i think like in the beginning um you know when he goes to find like the chillin and then he's defeated like maybe one of the animals like goes into the briefcase and like talks to like that one bird that thing that like pops up into a balloon then turns into like a dragon bird that was cool that was like a hot air balloon bird yeah and so I do. They, so you briefly go down, go down in there because that blue animal that like help that takes uh, Newt and the baby chilling away, um, like is alerted within the briefcase. So were you guys like upset when fucking Mads Mikkelsen's Grindelwald yes. just fucking slit that thing's throat? Yeah, that made me really upset. For Harry Potter. Well, and it was got it got even more dark when they fucking he performed like that uh, magical necromancy yeah. on it, brought it back to life, yeah. and we're looking at one a, a reanimated dead chillin at the end of the movie. I know. I was like, no. oh my. <laughs> To commit election fraud. <laughs> to commit election fraud, and then he he holds it up. This then he holds up the 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 reanimated chillin at the end to the audience to let them know because there were twins. There were twins, and there was one that's still alive that would would be able to show them who the real worthy candidate was. And uh, the other guy holds up the 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 dead one. And he's like, "This is the real chillin," and then that thing just fucking dies again on him. <laughs> It's like womp womp. <laughs> I didn't get so this election. This whole time, I'm like, what are they running for? This whole time, I'm like, what is this? Wizard what are the confederation? The International Wizards Confederation, which is, I think, something newish. Yeah, that's. I'm like, 
it's not obviously there, there are different countries, so it's not the Ministry of Magic, like not the one we know, not from London. So I'm like, what are they? Is this like a new establishment? It I is a new establishment. Like a heads up. I never got a sense in the original Harry Potter books. I never got a sense that part, like what was part of the lore that there's this. It's like there's like a UN for wizards, right? Like nation's version in the like, in the wizarding world. Like there's this go- like governing body that like monitors like wizardry in all the countries, right? Like I didn't like I, I didn't get a sense that that existed. Like each they work like each of the different countries, like their ministries work together, but like there's no governing body that overrules everyone. I just wish they would have laid those stakes out in the beginning. Cause it's like, yeah. there's, you know what I mean? Like initially when the German chancellor, I don't even know what is, who he was when he, you know, said, let him stand. And I'm like, stand for what, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a- the voting didn't make sense either. Cause it, it made it seem like obviously if the chillin' picks you, then that's it. You automatically win. They didn't seem. Yes. To be- no, no. I think that was like tra- tradition was that the chillin' like bows to the most worthy one, but that's how the action. But it was still like ceremony, and then once the chillin' picks, it's like picks whoever candidate they think is the worthiness. Like the people still get to vote, but what it, was- is it, it influences the voter because I mean clearly if you're like who am I going to vote for, and then this animal that's supposed to be able to pick the purest of heart goes and bows in front of someone and then you're gonna be like yeah okay I'm, clearly that's the one i'm supposed to vote for yeah I I, there's a scene where like mads uh when gridewalt he's getting ready to get out of his car and go into like the mob of people i kept thinking like are they gonna like I didn't think that they would be so welcoming and love him. That's that's my thing, though. Like, they don't really explain, like, why. Yeah, he, like, why? gets out of the car and they just are like, we love why this guy. They, like, calling? lift him up like he's fucking Rudy at the end of that movie. <laughs> and he just fucking, he played two minutes in a fucking Notre Dame football <laughs> game or something. It's because he wants to get rid of the muggles. So he's he's basically the Voldemort before Voldemort. And that's why he has... In, in this world, in this universe, this, as the way the story goes, is that is why he's got so many supporters because there are um, a lot of wizards that, you know, feel like that they should be in charge of the whole world and that yeah. only people should exist. Um, so that is why, you know, he has that popularity. Like, again, it's maybe as not as bad as when Voldemort and his people were in town and in, in some of the, like, fiendish things that they did to muggles, but yeah, that was what they wanted but they didn't obviously get a chance to do that i just feel like they set that scene up to like have us think that the mob was gonna just like fucking you know like yeah, beat him yeah, up yeah. or something or like you know and and instead they're just like yay grindelwald and so i was just like okay all right this i think me and june are kind of like thinking the same thing like well i mean it was clearly and especially because this is and i don't this is clearly not my accident i mean this the time period of this takes place in between World War and World War II. I mean, this is clearly like them going, hey, during this time period, Nazism is on the rise. <laughs> like, it's happening here, too. And you're just like, okay, cool. Go with that, then. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was kind of a very sloppy way like, to use that, me- to basically use that as a metaphor for Nazism. I thought it was sloppy. I think three out of the four of us like this movie 
Um, yeah. June, you liked elements, but overall, your biggest problem is with the story, right? Yeah, it just yeah that, and not just even the main story, but again, I guess even overall, again, I think we should have Dumbledore should have been our main protagonist in the beginning. This yeah. should be his story we're following, and you know, I again like. It, I thought it was pretty obvious, though, that Newt was very sidelined in this, though. And I think there's a reason for that. I know. I think they realize he is not not Harry. All right. Well, I think I think I think they thought like uh, I think they were like, oh shit, he's going to be the next Harry, and instead he was the next Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I mean, he's not, and so he was very much sidelined in this. I agree. Yeah, and I'm I, okay with that, though. I'm totally yeah, I'm okay fine with, with that. Too. That's. I think that's one of the reasons I like this movie a lot more. <laughs> honestly, um, you know, I, I I really wish we would have got a lot more Jacob, though. I love him. I think he's, he's too. so, so cute. good. I love him. Yeah. He's great. Um, do we think that we're going to get Fantastic Beasts four and five? I. Personally, I think, especially with like the you know the new regime over there at Warner Brothers, I think after the box office results and everything comes in, I just don't I don't see it being um, the smart move. You know, financially, I think this might be it. I think they might look for, you know, go to like an HBO Max series for future stuff, and then if they do more movies, it'll be something completely different than this. But yeah, I don't. I don't think we're gonna get a Fantastic Beast four after this. I think they kind of. I think they wrapped it, it up. Be HBO Max or like HBO Max specials then. Yeah, I mean, or you know, let it sit around for a decade and then try to make a comeback to the movies. I don't know because I I do think that there's still a desire to see more from the Wizarding World. Well, I think what I I mean I think at this point if you're if they set it up right. I mean, this is an incomplete story because this is the setup for the showdown between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And I can't, I mean, I imagine that that is, at some point, they're going to want want to show that in a visual form, whether it's in a series, a movie, a special, what have you. But like, that's, I mean, that seems like what this, this, these whole, all of these Fantastic Beasts movies, like, that's where they wanted to end up with that like that was going to be the main event of it all yeah but how much more money do, do you drop into like this you got to imagine the budget on this has got to be pretty big and 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 if they're not going to make your money back you definitely don't want it yeah budget of 200 million yeah um, no, i mean that's what i'm saying like but i mean i feel i feel like that's a story where they're they're gonna want to tell it i think it's gonna depend more on an international audience because i think over the weekend uh uh, American box office is about 40 to 45 million is the estimate that I'm seeing right now. Um, obviously, over here in the UK, it's been out for nearly two weeks already. Um, and I, I think the same with a lot of the European countries as well. So they're going to have to bank that, you know, again, the international audiences, you know, flock to see this movie. Otherwise, it's going to be very disappointing. Um, I thought it was interesting that um, Jake actually posted on Facebook uh a meme of sorts or someone saying that if they had actually just focused on the fantastic beast elements to the story, it might have made more money. I don't really agree with that. I don't think you could have had free movies of just, you know, Newt Scamander Pokemon hunting because he's not most, you know, lovable character for people to follow. So 
I do feel that having this like dark underlining story, which has now become the forefront and the focus of Dumbledore versus Grindelwald, is actually you know what audience would want. And I do think that we're not we're still we're not as deep in the pandemic as we once were, but that's also still going to affect the numbers that this movie is going to generate. I honestly think that they should have held off on this and waited for someone else to play Newt Scamander, somebody more likable. I personally would have been fine. I would have been more than fine if, and I don't know, this might be a weird casting, but I would have given it to Robert Downey Jr. Interesting. Interesting. I would, Jinx. Huh. I think. I think he's a likable guy and like he, you know, and I'm not saying like, what was it that he did the fucking, do, was it the Doolittle movie that he did? Dude, he yeah, did? he did, yeah. I mean, that wasn't good for him, but I think like you give, you give, you give him a fucking wand and you give him fun stuff oh. to do and then you give him Dan Fogler in the movie with him. I think it's. That would have been a good, that would have been a good pairing. I think it would have been fun. I think it would have been. Really I thought fun. Dan Fogler and Jude Law as a pairing. Like I loved, I loved the the scene that they had together. Like yeah, when they go to Bhutan yeah. and like the two of them. Oh, even like when I, when 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 Jacob goes to pick up the the wrong briefcase and like Dumbledore <laughs> gives him the look of like no, I was just like I love this is I love this. <laughs> oh my god, I love when he's like oh like three card Monty and everyone stares at him and then he starts to go into explaining it and realize I can't explain it, but right. then. And this is so genuine because Dumbledore, like, he's so, like, this just reminded me of, like, the first time you meet Dumbledore is in the first book, um, in that first chapter when they're meeting Hagrid to drop Harry off at the Dursleys, right? And he's eating, um, like, lemon drops, like, the muggle candy, right? And he, like, genuinely likes them. So he actually tells, um, he tells Dan Fogler, he's like, I would very much like to learn more about this three card Monty game. <laughs> and he's so sincere. I think Jude Law, Jude Law is such a great, that, that That's was a great choice. Perfect, perfect casting. Also Jude Law rocking it in the sweater vest. Just mm-hmm. yeah. <sighs> Sexy professor. Yeah. I think there's so much in Dumbledore's story that we, that could, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the other stories we could tell. Like, oh yeah. Just with Dumbledore's life. With Jude Law as a young Dumbledore. Like I would watch five more movies. I would watch five movies of that with Jacob, maybe with Newt as like a crazy little sidekick with his mom, like with his little creatures. Like they can all- kill Newt in the next movie. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I mean, I would just, I would love just a Jude Law Dumbledore thing. And, um, yeah, I just I think he was absolutely perfect casting, and actually I think I love that. I mean, I I like Mads as, and, and like Stephanie said, I I wish that's I think the Crimes of Grindelwald would have had a very different feel if Mads was the one playing Grindelwald instead of Johnny Depp. Yeah, he killed he killed in the role. He actually did a yeah. very great job in it. He did really and, good. Yeah. The no. chemistry between the two of them was believable too, as like, yeah, of like, yeah, that was just really as was such a good choice. Yes, as exes, yeah. yeah, and like that scene. When, I'm so sorry, Brian. No, no, I was just gonna say I I agree with you. Like the chemistry between those two was way more believable than the Johnny Depp. I mean, it was just I I you know I believed in this one that they had 
a relationship and that he I like this like I liked where he said like when when they went up against each other he came from it as a place of protection and he and and Grindelwald came from a place of of like murder mm-hmm. you know and it was just like um is that what broke the spell yeah yeah although I don't really like this addition to their dynamic um you know I think one of the beautiful things about the character of Dumbledore, like, you know, because in, in a way, the Harry Potter series, yes, you're, it's about Harry Potter and, you know, his and his story. But it was also like the story of Dumbledore, because you learn a lot about this character. Like he's in the beginning, you know, he's the all, you know, he's like the best wizard that's ever lived. Right. And he's the most good, you know, he's he's the most good, per, he's good person and pure part, you know. And he's got this dark side. And as the books go on, especially in the seventh book, you learn more and more about his past, about how he's not a perfect human being. And I thought that that was such a beautiful addition to that character. And, you know, they acknowledge he acknowledges, like, I entered the Grindelwald fight too late. But in the. In the books, like the way they make it seem is that it was because of the love that he had for Grindelwald, but also the shame in the ideas that came up together, like it was that a cowardice that he took so long to finally go up against Grindelwald. Whereas these prequel movies have now changed it to where it was this piece of magic that was like physically uh. like stopping it. And I was like, I, to me, I'm like the development that you gave to the character in the book is so much better. I'd rather it be where it was just cowardice, like just being a fucking human being. Right. Like that just gives that, it makes that character so much deeper and more relatable than having this piece of magic that prevents you from actually doing it. I didn't really. Yeah. That's just like another kind of like weird element in this to kind of like take away any true feelings that he had. Exactly. And so and I just, I think this is sometimes I think this is a problem with prequels though. You, you add stuff or do things to the story and then you're like, but we know where we end up and this doesn't really line up. Yeah, with know. like what with what we how we know the story ends yeah yeah i don't know i i all i know is that i do want more from the wizarding world i just don't i'm fine with them kind of just like leaving this here um and then we can explore you know more dumbledore somewhere else later on down the road without you know being Newt hampered Scamanda. yeah without being hampered by fantastic beasts and newt scamander just you know come with us as fans as with a good story but it also kind of like there are no stakes because we know what happens with harry's story so i think yeah. like the only real way to do anything of uh with any stakes is you're gonna have to go forward in the timeline right well, just, yeah the, we learn with cursed child is dumb so so i do want nana i want to talk to you um i guess anybody any final thoughts on the movie itself yeah i was just gonna say that the ending was a little bit stupid you had grindelwald cornered by like i don't know so many different witches and wizards and none of them fought to shoot a magic spell at him before he put up that force shield like they literally Mm -hmm. watched him apparate to the the um edge of the cliff and did absolutely nothing like that was a bit of a dumb moment in the movie 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just another way to keep it going, just in case they want to make another movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Nana, I want to talk to you. Um, talk to us about the London premiere. How did you get to go to it? And, I mean, what was the experience like? Um, yeah, the, the the experience was very cool. Um, my now, you know, like, go and enjoy it. So I was like, yes, obviously I'm a little bit you know, upset that I can't come and watch the premiere and I can't go, go and see the film early because I would love that kind of experience. But I was like, you know, knock yourself out, enjoy the day and, um, you know, tell me all about it. And then literally an hour later, she was like, oh, like, she can get, she could, she can get an extra ticket. Do you want to come? I was like, <laughs> of course I want to come. Like, what kind of <laughs> question is that? Like, yes, I, I, I am there. Tell me, time date whatever like if i've got a book of work if i've got calling sick like i'm doing it like let me know and i'm i'm there um and then i'm so sick and then on facebook later look at you totally sick in bed Uh, yeah so she got the tickets um we were like the the guest of dan fogler which was pretty cool um i've you know spoken to dan once or twice like on the phone but i've never like actually met him so to to so it was, again it was a nice opportunity to meet him and speak to him properly for the first time. Um, the red uh, like I don't know why, but you know normally when there's a red carpet here in the UK, it's normally done at Leicester Square. Um, I don't know whether it's because this movie's like not as um, big uh, of a Hollywood blockbuster, um, but it was held uh, somewhere near London Waterloo. Um, Walked to the red, walked to the red carpet, and there was a little bit of confusion. So we were kind of split up from like where like the celebs were, but we were still close enough. So we walked um, past like where they were doing the interviews and stuff. Like we still had like crowds on either side of us, um, and then we went into like the foyer, and then like I said to the woman, "Oh, I think there's a bit of confusion. We're meant to be like in a sense with the actors and some of the cast and stuff." And she was like, oh, let me just, like, check check my list. And she was like, oh, your name's not on the list. And I was like, like, you might want to check that again. And she was like, okay, like, who are you here with? And then we mentioned who the, um, that we're there with Dan Fogler. And she was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You lot can come in. And then we went into this, like, um, like private room where they were serving champagne and stuff. And... Um, as all the actors were, like, filling through from the red carpet, they came to that room. And um, literally, at one point, I was in the room with Jude Law, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, the, guy that, the guy that played the German counsellor. Um, uh, is it Jessica Williams? She wasn't there yet, but her mum was there. And I got to and she was like, oh, my daughter's in the movie. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I had a little conversation. Um, like, a couple of other actors and, you know, producers and stuff were in that room. And then, like... When Jude Law came in, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll take a picture of him, but, like, I want to watch the film. And then, like, when we get to the after party, that's when, like, it won't be like I'm bothering him because, obviously, he's there to watch the movie. He's there to, like, enjoy himself. So I was like, you know, at an after party, it hopefully be a little bit more of a relaxed environment. So then um, I will then pluck up the courage to go and speak to him because I was a little bit nervous. Um, so obviously we had a couple of drinks and then we were called up and was like, oh, the movie's going to be starting in like 10 minutes. Um, we went upstairs to our seats and I sat down and I, this is a little bit embarrassing for me. Like the German guy that was there, 
he looks so much like Mads Mikkelsen. So when he was sat in front of me, I was like, no, fuck it. I'm not going to wait till later. I'm going to take a picture of him <laughs> thinking that I've taken a picture of Mads Mikkelsen. Then I've, I've sat down. Um, Dan's wife sat next to us and like, I, I, I said to her, like, oh, I was, I'm really looking forward to meeting Mads Mikkelsen. I, I like, and I've, you know, I bottled it earlier. So I saw him for her. I saw him, she's like, she smiled at me. She's like, that's not Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> she was like, it's like him, but that's not him. And then I was like, ha. Ah. And I was like, you know what? Hopefully he's going to be at an after party later. Um, so I can, ha- uh, you know, g- get a picture with the real Mads Mikkelsen. Um, and then it was funny because um, Jessica, Will- uh, I want to say Jessica Williams, she was sat like in the row in front to the left. Um, Dan was sat like four seats to my left. He- his agent was next to us. His wife and his kids were there. Um, a couple of, like literally the-, the section that we were sat in, like literally had all the actors in and around us. Um and then we watched the film and uh, literally like where the after it was maybe like a, a 10, 15 minute walk from where we were. How was uh, the, how was the movie experience? Was it, was it silence throughout the movie or were people oh, reacting? There were, yeah. Those people reacting people laughed at bits. People got like the bit where the, the, um, Chilean had his neck slit. People gasped. I, oh. I, I grinned. Cause I was just like, Oh my days, this is quite dark. Like, and it was funny because like <laughs> I had Dan's like little kids, like literally, two seats away from me. I was thinking, they must be freaking out and just see some a, a, a little kid. Oh, a baby deer. <laughs> yeah, just have its neck slit. And, um, but yeah. <laughs> Dan's kids stand up and they start hitting Mads Mickelson's doppelganger in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was like, that's not even me. I'm the German guy. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, when, when there was funny moments, people laughed when there was like, not there wasn't that many shocking words, but like you heard heard gas. Um, but you know, and it was well for why I could tell it was well received by the audience, isn't it? Like, obviously, you're not gonna boo at a premiere, but right. you know, when, the, when the movie was done, people applauded. And That's great. Looking around me, obviously, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm sat around with the actors and support actors, and like so, well, Ezra know, Miller wasn't there, right? Yeah, but, and I didn't know that at the time he, uh, not he, uh, he's now Day. Um, Day was going through an incident, so that might have been the reason why Day wasn't there. Yeah, uh, that character was also super sidelined in this movie. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but, but it's still it's like Ezra Miller. I really, I, I think it has to do with that with, with what happened yeah. in Hawaii. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, because. Almost everyone else was there, but here, but them and um, <coughs> sorry, the guy, the guy that played Newt's commander, literally. Because you got to oh, think, Eddie, like Eddie. for Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King, the premiere, Christopher Lee, who was cut out of the movie and only in the extended edition, was invited to the premiere of Return of the King, um, and he, he turned it down because they he was pissed. He was very <laughs> pissed because they cut him out. He. <laughs> So you got to think that Ezra Miller probably was initially invited. And then they were just like with this Hawaii stuff going on. They were like, well, we don't need that circus right now. So yeah. stay at home, stay buddy. Yes, yeah, stay at home. Um, which is a shame because I, I would have liked to have talked to him and like, you know, I'd have asked him what's going on the Flash movie. But he, he probably would have choked you, Nana. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think uh, <laughs> my size of This him, is volatile. So I said again? Miller's gotten to be kind of volatile. Like you just don't know when they're gonna 
have their you know lose their temper. True, but of all the celebrities out there, like compared to me, he's a little bit scrawnier. So I I, I would like to, <laughs> if, if if things had gone that way. Um, oh, Nana, you would have put him on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I could like I don't think, yeah I'd like to think I would have been able to hold my own against Ezra Miller. Dude, I'd yeah. sued for like millions because he's a celebrity. Brian and I have witnessed you being a grown man down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I fastest man alive. He would have been the fastest man knocked on his ass that yeah. night. I can promise you that <laughs> if he tried to touch you now. Uh, um, but yeah, no. Again, and the after party was really cool. It was like in. It wasn't really a club scene, it was like a massive hall. Uh, it was kind of split up into two where, like, you had, in a sense, you know, the regular people, uh, so to speak, and then in the back kind of thing, you had all the actors sat at different tables, and um, we were invited to sit, sit with Dan. So, again, got to sit with Dan, got to meet him, got to talk to him a bit. We talked about a bit of American football since, obviously, that is kind of one of my big passions. I found out he's a Giants fan. I'm a Cowboys fan, so there's a bit of little bit mm. of rivalry there. <laughs> yeah, like he he is just a really cool dude. Like it, he's not acting much when he's Jacob, if if that makes sense. Like he's a really chilled, funny guy, uh, just a really nice person, um, and just just a fun guy to be around. So that that was pretty cool. That is good to hear. I'm a big fan of his. He's got his own podcast. He's a he's, yeah, he does. He's a he's a he's a really funny guy. I'm, I'm a yeah. I've been a fan of his uh, he, since fanboys. So, what was Jude Law like? Okay, so I was just so Jude say, oh, wasn't at the after party. So no, I was a little big guy. I didn't try and go speak to him earlier, but he, he wasn't there. I was in a room. If if I ended up in a room with Jude Law, I would completely forget that I was married. <laughs> wow but, we've got this recorded so that's <laughs> why i should never be in a room alone with Jude law i would like to not commit adultery <laughs> but i'm just gonna say like that would totally happen um, yeah, june would so, say you want to yeah. break the law <laughs> <laughs> uh that's yeah. funny so yeah, it, it was cool. You know, everyone was drinking and stuff. And then again, like literally the next table down, Mads Mikkelsen there was having a couple of drinks. And I was like, you know what? Script. And I got to him. I was to speak to him. So I walked over. He was drinking Peroni. I had a Peroni. Went over there. I was like, hi, nice to meet you. Really enjoyed you in the film. Um, I really enjoyed you in the film Drunk, which was his Scandinavian film that he did. Yeah. And then he looked at me. Looked at his bottle of um, Peroni. I was like, "Yep, I'm still working on trying to get drunk." <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, took a swig. And I was like, "That was." I was like, "Yep, really good film." And I was like, "Do you mind if I take a picture of you?" He's like, "Yeah, cool. Have a selfie." Took a selfie, and then I, I was like, literally, like my night was made, didn't it? Because like I just really wanted to meet him and have a picture of him. So that was like, like a really cool moment. Um, I saw the picture, and it's awesome, dude. So yeah, very it was cool. really cool, man. And then um, the guy that plays Newt's, um, Newt's brother, uh, Callum... Oh, Callum Turner. Callum Turner. Turner. He is a tall and handsome dude. Like, he's very tall. <laughs> I was surprised at how tall he was. And he was just, like, a very bubbly, excited person just walking around. <laughs> it was... It's funny when you meet these, like, actors. Like, it was kind of like almost how when we were at C2, we met... Um, uh, is it Lads Alonso, the guy that plays Mother's Milk in the yeah. Where mm-hmm. yeah. 
he was so excited to be at C2E2. And it was a, it was the similar thing with these guys. They were like, literally, when I went to Callum, I was like, oh, it's for a picture. He was like, he asked who I was. And I was like, oh, like, I'm Nana. And he was like, oh, I'm Callum, by the way. And I was like, like, dude, I didn't say this out loud, but I was like, dude, I've just watched you in this film. Like, of course I know who you are. Like, why, <laughs> you, why are you introducing yourself? Like, you're the star here kind of thing. And um, same with, uh, I keep saying her name, it's Jessica Williams. Like, literally, I asked her, do you mind if I take a picture of you? She's like, yeah. And she was like, oh, thank you so much for coming to watch the film. I hope you really enjoyed it. And I was like, it, it, it was nice seeing them being so humble because, you know, you hear these stories when you meet actors and stuff where they, they can be quite snobbish and, you know, rude to people. But they were just, just really nice people. And literally, you know, if I didn't have to go to work the next day, I probably would have stayed out drinking with the stars till, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, like the whole red carpet experience was just fun and like again I wish I could do that literally every week it was just such an awesome experience and I'll also have to say is like Brian to you and everyone else that like gets these advanced screeners and have to do NDAs yeah I, I honestly don't know how you do it because the moment the film was done I literally wanted to scream and shout and tell everybody about how amazing it was <laughs> And like I was just like I can't say it. Say no. <laughs> I may just never get invited to anything ever ah, again. Disclosure. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was just a really awesome experience, and it was just a, a really fun day. You know, just to mingle with some celebrities and and have a little taste of that experience. And, Did you yeah. experience the? They call it kind of like the Hollywood glow, where it's like when you just. It's um, it's like a surreal experience when you see them in front of you. Like nothing else in the background matters. You're just like focused in on that fucking Hollywood glow, that face of theirs. Yeah, definitely. I like because where where we were like to go to where the red carpet red carpet was like where they were pulling out coming in their cars, and like I caught a glimpse of Mads because I caught a glimpse of uh, Dan. I was like, okay, we're in, we're in the right place. And then when we got closer, like literally, we were like almost an arm lengths away from them. I was just like, wow, like I'm in the same space as these people. Yeah, yeah. Just like, and again, when you, you for the most part, yeah, you always hold celebrities in like such, in again, I guess, high regards, like you almost don't see them as normal human beings. It was a little bit like, so then when you got to like being a bit of a chill environment, just to be like, ah, right, these people are just like literally normal people that you would be drinking in a bar. They just have a certain level of status to them. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when I saw um when I was on set with Matt Damon <clears throat> as an extra and I saw Matt Damon for the first time, it was just like unreal. That's Matt Damon. Like I didn't see anything else around him. I was just focused in on his face. <laughs> it was wild. It was like, oh, my God, that's fucking Jason Bourne. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so, no, uh, Nana, thank you for sharing that with us, dude. That's awesome. Glad to hear that uh, Mads was such a cool guy and that Dan is such a cool guy because I love those guys. Did y'all know that Mads Mickelson is a classically trained dancer? No. I was just curious because um, when uh, Nana was talking about him, I just looked up his Wikipedia. Yeah, he trained as a gymnast and then studied dancing. Um, and uh, yeah, he was like a professional 
ballerina. Oh, that was uh, so uh, the you know the uh, the the Russian guy from Die Hard, the big blonde guy. Mm-hmm. He was also in the uh, uh, the Russia's premier dance troupe, uh, the Bolsh, the oh, the Bolshoi, the Bolshe- I can't remember the Bolsheviks. Bolsheviks, and like he was classically trained ballerina, and um, he defected. Oh, and they actually um, uh, he defected and. And they grabbed his wife before she could make the trip out of the country. And that's what ruined that's they eventually got a divorce over it because she was just too Russian and didn't want to like acclimate to life in the United States. And he was he wanted to defect. And um, yeah, it's a sad story at the end. Like this guy was drinking so much alcohol a day. He basically like. Um, damaged his liver and died of like liver disease or something like oh, that. No. But yeah, no, that's yeah. He was also a, a ballerina, which is wild. But uh, mm-hmm. no, that's cool. That's cool. Why is he not doing anything like that in the movies? That's why I was saying like we needed more. Like, I mean, if they ever do get to a, if they ever get to the Grindelwald Dumbledore epic battle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you use those classical you know use that classical ballet training of mads to show me some awesome magic you just want to see jude law in tights eventually that's all you want to see (laughs) (laughs) that man can make that man make the sexy professor he was a sexy pope I'm yeah, telling you, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. I fucking loved Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. That is a fun movie. Yeah. All right, guys. That's all I got. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on this bonus episode for of Fantastic course. Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Brian. I had a blast. I can't wait. I'm going to see it again tomorrow. Are you really? I am, yeah. I, I want. I think the next thing I'm going to go see is uh, that uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. <gasps> That's heard I've heard so that is much. So good. Yeah. Great things about Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, that's the next thing I'm going to see in the theater. Um, but we will be back. Uh, hold on. I'll get to that. I want to thank, I want to thank June. Thank you so much, June. Uh, June from Apple to Oranges podcast, which I still can't find on my podcast <laughs> addict app where I listen to podcasts, but uh, you still have a podcast. I still can't find you there, um, but uh, thank you, June. Thank you, Ryan. This was a lot of fun. I always enjoy talking Harry Potter. Oh, my God. So. If you and Jude Law got married, it would be Jude Law and June Law. So, uh, yeah. Just like perfect. Right? I'm, Why would she be married? Very close. Um, anyway, and Nana, <laughs> thank you for bringing uh that amazing story dude no problem uh, thank you for the honor to be invited to the show and um i enjoy spending time with you guys and hope fingers crossed i'll be seeing you guys in august oh god i hope so i hope so i'm i'm going i'm going to c2e2 so um, Me too. yeah if you show up i will be there um yeah uh people should be listening to your podcast blurs are us what's going on there dude yeah, we're just, you know, uh, we had a little bit of a break since uh, work has been a bit crazy for the last couple of weeks, but we're back to recording hopefully weekly. 
Um, you know, we do movie reviews as well, but we also talk about some anime, uh, some computer games, and, you know, just anything that's kind of happening in the pop culture and world. All right, yeah. Check it out. Uh, subscribe, listen to Nana, check out his podcast. And we'll be back uh, next week. I've got, uh, we're going to have a full episode next week, I promise. Full episode and um, a lot of shit we're going to be covering in Good Pop, Bad Pop because it's like stuff from this week that I haven't got to and then stuff from next week. So theater movies, tons of stuff from all the streaming services. I've been watching The Outlaws at Amazon Prime this week. I'll be talking about that one. Um, I'm not saying I like it or don't like it, but maybe you should watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Outlaws with Stephen Merchant. So check it out. Uh, and that's all I got. Um Let's see here. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any other announcements. I was gonna announce something else, but I'm not going to. It's not. It's nothing huge. Um, I am recording a Patreon episode tomorrow, which I'm. De- I guess I'm debating on recording that one and then throwing it up on the main feed. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, everybody, thanks again, and that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. All right. Until next week, we're putting a lid on it. I don't know why I said it that way. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, clean it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's make it clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only time.
leftovers.